Hey y'all, welcome back to a Saturday, July 23rd, 2022 edition here on the Chasing Most Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods. Uh, part one here, Go Big Orange Friday with uh, Ryan Shumpert, no Ethan Stone this week. He's on a bachelor fun weekend. So shout out to our guy, Ethan, of our um, Off the Hook Sports. Hope he has had a great uh, weekend getting ready for his big day coming down the pike here. So shout out to our guy, Ethan Stone. Um, but Ryan Shumpert and I of Rocky Top Insider talked all things Tennessee football. Uh, very, very important note. <laughs> um, here we have to just kind of throw out before we get into the spot is we recorded this on a friday morning uh before two things happened one nathan leacock uh committed to the vols um but we talked about him and what the vols were getting in him so um and kind of we're operating under the assumption that he was going to be a tennessee volunteer so glad that worked out very excited about nathan leacock um but also the pruitt and uh sanction not even sanctions just the violations and all of that broke a couple hours after um i was at the vet ryan is over at um the golf end and all that good stuff but yeah it was uh it was crazy the news broke and um of course right after we recorded on friday so uh a crazy friday afternoon news dump um on that front so we do not have a discussion on that but we'll talk about it next week on the program and figure out kind of sort through while what all of it means and all that good stuff uh for tennessee football going forward but uh, yeah, just note, uh, if you're wondering why we were not talking about Jimmy Pruitt and everything that uh, came out um, Friday afternoon, uh, it's because we recorded beforehand. So uh, we'll talk about it next week on Go Big Garden Friday. So uh, thank you, as always, for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen, wherever and however you listen to this program. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, you can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, like and subscribe as we continue growing out the YouTube page. You can uh, go to read my sports writing over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email, become a subscriber that way. That easy, that simple. Check that out today. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Uh, two-parter today on the local, local Saturday hours here on the program. No Atlanta sports guys this week, uh, unfortunately, because uh, crazy afternoon um, with the vet and all that other stuff. So um, all good now on that front. But um, Atlanta sports guys will be back next week. Um, and then Preds Power Hour uh, coming up right after this on part two of today's program. So look out for that. All that good stuff. Um, part one on a Saturday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back. Go Big Orange Friday on a Friday. No Ethan Stone. Ethan Stone just uh, getting ready to go get married, doing all kinds of stuff. He's a busy guy and he's going to do great as he listens to this program. He's going to be fine. Ethan, breathe. Just keep it going. Uh, you'll be all right. Ryan Shumpert is here. He's been grinding away for hours and hours on this Friday morning. Ryan, good morning. How are you? Doing well. Uh, down here in Hoover, spending a little bit of time with uh, the brother, sister-in-law, and, and niece before I uh, abandoned my family for about four months uh, once uh, football practice begins next week. Oh, when are you leaving? Well, I'm down here right now. I'll be, I got here, came straight from Atlanta for media days, and then uh, we'll be headed uh, back to Knoxville probably sometime Sunday. And then a week from Sunday is when uh, Tennessee has its own media days. That next Monday, start a fall camp, and I'll be full speed ahead from there. What did you learn from SEC Media Days uh, for uh, on the Tennessee front? Yeah, I mean, I think like always, SEC Media Days, I don't think there was a ton uh, said of interest, especially with Josh Heupel in Tennessee. 
I thought really more what uh, I thought was interesting or maybe learned. And I thought this was the case, but I wasn't 100% sure with, with Heupel saying that Brew McCoy is not completely eligible yet. They have to still get some clearance from the NCAA. So I kind of thought that was the case, but wasn't positive. So that was kind of good to know. And I thought really more than anything, and this was more in Heupel's meeting with the local media after he was on the big stage, I thought he kind of got into some interesting things that he would like to see, uh, maybe rule changes, maybe not even necessarily like to see, but he was asked about a lot of rule changes and stuff like that. And I thought he had some pretty interesting answers that kind of pulled back the curtain and were a little bit more than just coach speak. Yeah. I just, when people ask like, why are you going to this? Are you doing this? It's like, they're not saying any, like I, that's a lot of work to just get, well, Tennessee's back. We're recruiting better than we did last year. Things are looking up and uh, I'm really happy about where the direction of the program is going. You're like, I just, you're not getting much. Like, it's just not, it's just not worth it to me. I, I don't see see the value in that sort of uh, in, in just doing that sort of thing. It's just not really my bread and butter. But uh, I understand it's part of the job for a lot of folks and you kind of just have to. But uh, I don't know. That's just not uh, not my cup of tea. No, I'm with you. I mean, I was asked before if I was real excited and I was just like, <laughs> not really. I mean, I'm yeah. not dreading it by any means. It's not like a miserable day or anything like that. But it, it's just... Like a lot of these things, you're just not getting a ton of information, and especially on the big stage. I didn't think Heupel said a whole lot of interest. I did in the player scrums. They were all at the same time. I didn't talk to Hooker or any, but I did talk to Tillman for a while. And I thought nothing that he said was groundbreaking, but uh, he was just really thoughtful. And I thought just came off as a really sharp guy. And still, even after a massive season, uh, you can tell he feels like he has a lot of lot to prove going into this year. And look, today the SEC, I'm sure we'll probably get into it here in a bit, but the SEC – preseason predictions comes out the preseason all-conference teams and he was on the second team which uh, i thought was surprising i thought he would definitely be on the first team after what he did last year i thought uh, really i think he's the best returning receiver in the sec jermaine burton obviously transferring from georgia alabama i think will have a chance to put up massive numbers because he's going to probably be a number one in a really good offense with bryce young but when you look at the receivers back in the sec and what they've done i don't think anyone's done more than tillman yeah, um, but hey, it's another thing to uh, chip on his shoulder, that kind of thing. So that's that's cool. I wonder, do you think there's concern that Brew won't be ruled eligible? That's a good question. I mean, the high didn't seem to have a, a ton of concern. And I think right now, I don't think there should be a, a ton of concern. But I, I guess this is me speaking without 100% knowing. I guess this comes from the fact that he had transferred, you know, he went to Texas. And then before he even played a game, he transferred to USC. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's where that uh, non-just straightforward eligibility comes from. But, you know, because given the fact that he didn't play last year, I would think he would be would be fine and would be eligible. But we'll see. This stuff always seems to it – wouldn't, it wouldn't be a Tennessee fall camp if there wasn't some sort of lingering eligibility concern for a player uh, drawing deep into it to, to create some drama, uh, even in an era when we're transferring easier than it's ever been. It's it's classic. It's a, it's a classic turn back, whether that's – J.J. Peterson, Cade Mays, it feels like every year we have one of these that goes down to the last week, and hopefully Brew McCoy will figure something out before that. But even last year, Byron Young wasn't eligible the first two games of the season. So it seems like there's always somebody, a key player uh, that Tennessee's waiting to figure out if they're going to be eligible. You heard it there first. Ryan Shumpert has proclaimed that Brew McCoy is this year's Byron Young, and uh, no (laughs) doubt about it. I'm high on him. I think... Yeah, Byron, I don't, we'll see if he does what Byron Young did, but man, I 
I think he is a, a perfect fit for this offense. And obviously we have to see him go out and prove it on the field because he hasn't put it all together. But I still think he's a really talented guy. And I think this is an offense that fits he fits really well in. And I think what he can seamlessly maybe fit into that outside spot opposite of Cedric Tillman. And what we were talking about last week, we were talking about Walker Merrill, a spot that Tennessee really doesn't have a definitive answer at right now. Yeah, I also, uh, it's kind of interesting when you bring up the Byron Young thing where it's like he's getting drafted. Like that's happening. Uh, when you look at NFL guys, I saw Jim Nagy was going through his tape today. You're like, yeah, this dude's getting drafted. Like Byron Young, uh, unless he just has the season from hell, which I don't think anybody of us are thinking is going to be the case. Um, that's big. Like Tennessee has not had an edge guy, a Leo, uh, get drafted, what, since Derek Barnett? Like it's just, yeah. that's it. I guess Daryl Taylor was was he was obviously a linebacker, so it's yeah. a little bit different. But as an edge rusher, and no, you're right. And he was on the first team All SEC team today preseason, and I think he he and Tillman uh, probably going to be the guys looking out here eight months in advance. I would pick to be the the first two all selected, and I think with a good year, Young could really really shoot up some boards and maybe even go in the first round. Absolutely. Um, Rico Walker, since you've been away, he picked uh, North Carolina. He stays home. I wonder, one, do you, were you surprised by it? And two, do you think Rico Walker is a vol if Bradley doesn't pick Tennessee? No, I don't, I don't think those two things are related. Unless maybe if Bradley goes ahead and picks South Carolina or something and Tennessee yeah. is able to shuffle some things around with the NIL front, maybe that changes things. Hmm. But I think this one had kind of been trending North Carolina's way for a while. At least that that's how it it seemed to me. Obviously, that's the home state school. He'd been to Tennessee quite a bit, but North Carolina is still a school he'd been to by far the most. It did seem like Maryland had a little bit of buzz there late in his recruitment, made a push. But uh, I, it wasn't a, a huge surprise to me. And for the most part, I think those two, two things are, are separate. Does it matter? Is that one that hurts all that much not getting Rico? Do you think the staff is okay just because they've got Bradley in the building? Um, and they've got obviously Pierce and Joseph from last year. They've got they've got a lot of depth suddenly. Uh, it, it would be nice if Bradley and company were coming in uh, this fall. But um, do you think they're okay with their two edge guys they have in this class? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, obviously, this is another top 200 guy and a guy that if you land him, I think Tennessee would have three of the top 25 pass rushers or edge rushers in this class but um no that is obviously i don't think it's a huge deal you mentioned the two guys they brought in last year you have uh, obviously bradley to go with herring this year i think the emphasis really is more on what you have who they can get into the interior hunter osborne or recruitment and to me i think is probably as important as anyone that tennessee's in on right now mm-hmm. and i think that stuff if you miss out on him if texas or clemson grabs him i think that hurts a, a lot more than than walkers does Interesting. Uh, what are the Vols? Potentially, we're taping this uh, three hours before uh, Nathan Leacock uh, picks his school. Uh, by all accounts, it seems like it would be a pretty big stunner if the kid out of Raleigh chose NC State over Tennessee at this point. Um, so we're going to operate on the assumption that they are going to get Leacock uh, before uh, before this uh, episode is done. So like when folks get this when it's up, like what are the Vols getting in him? And do you think this is... Uh, someone that will be a factor sooner rather than later. No, it's funny you, you bring him up because I was kind of thinking about that, talking about Walker, of how similar the recruit, obviously Walker's higher rated, but similar to those kind of recruitments are of North Carolina, two North Carolina kids. They've both been to Tennessee a good bit. Leacock's been to NC State. I mean, he's from Raleigh way more mm. than he's been to anywhere else, but 
no, it does seem like despite that, Tennessee is probably going to land him. And uh, I think that's a good question. And I think he's going to have an opportunity to because I think he's a guy that plays on the outside. And I think just when you – obviously Tillman's going to be gone next year. Who knows what happens with Brew McCoy? And who knows what J- Jalen Hyatt could have a breakout year and go pro too. But I just think in general you have more depth in the slot right now. You look at the young receivers, I think Squirrel White's probably ahead of, any, of everybody else. He's a slot guy. So Leacock is an outside guy. And mm-hmm. a lot like Brew McCoy, big guy, strong guy with super, a ton, ton of speed. I mean, his, his track numbers are really, really impressive in North Carolina. And I think he's going to have an opportunity to come in and, and make an early impact. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, Tennessee. Would he run track at t- UT? No, I, I don't okay. think so. I mean, I'd be surprised. Maybe. Uh, mm. To me, it feels like the days of those two sport stars yeah. are just completely over. I mean, Taiwan Malone at Ole Miss is obviously doing it right now, but he's. The I mean, only Dylan guy. Monaghan uh, from Brookwood, who's going to Bama, he's doing both. He's playing baseball and football. Yeah, but that's. We'll see what happens when he gets there. A lot of guys have that in mind. They're going to play mm. both when they go to school. I mean, you go back and look. D Beckwith, I think, had that mm. same thought in. Uh, going blank the other Malachi Weidman had that same thought when he was going to come to Tennessee he was going to do both Trayvon Flowers was going to play baseball at Tennessee when he came here it's a lot easier said than done and that's why I've been surprised by the fact that Taiwan Malone was on Ole Miss's baseball team this year he's a national champion on top of being a defensive tackle which is a hilarious combination of positions to play but no I don't expect him to run track at Tennessee but I do think it's a good get and I think given the position he plays he's going to have an opportunity to play early now does that mean He's going to take take it and run with it. Who knows? Since he's recruited receiver really well since Josh Heupel's been here, it certainly won't be easy for him. Yeah, I wonder because like when people talk about Tillman, it's just Tillman was a three star guy. He, no one thought he was going to turn into what he is now, like where he might just be the best receiver in the SEC this year. Like no one, no one saw that, and that was like a three star. When people are so hyper focused on five star and four stars, where it's like the brew is he's a former five star, and you look at these guys, it's like. It might be a Leacock. It might be a Walker Merrill. It might be somebody else. Like, it's just, you need a bunch of talent in there, and then you don't know who's going to pop. Like, you just want a lot of options, but there is absolutely a possibility that a three-star ends up being the five-star kind of player, and that could be Leacock for this group. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great point. And you look, and the Squirrel White hasn't played a game, so I don't want to mm-hmm. hype him up too much. But obviously, there's been a lot of buzz around him. And he was a nobody recruit when Tennessee got him to commit, I think, back in April or June of last year and then by the end of his recruitment Alabama and Georgia were pushing to try to uh, get Mm. him to come visit I think he did end up visiting Georgia if I'm correct on that and they wanted to land him I know Georgia specifically pushed hard in the end to get him so stars are are far from anything and I thought it's interesting to bring up Tillman I thought that was a question or something he talked about yesterday that made a lot of sense and just how much his life has changed in the last year he was, he never, he was not a big recruit coming out of high school. I mean, he was, he wasn't even a three-star. He was a low, low, low three-star. He didn't have any power five offers until three days before signing day when Tennessee offered him. Mm-hmm. And then three years he is through college. Obviously people in Tennessee knew him. He had played some in Knoxville, but he wasn't even a regional name, let alone a national name. And now all of a sudden he's in a preseason all SEC receiver, a thousand yard receiver a year ago. He's in New York City this week. Uh, doing NIL events has got his face on a billboard in Times Square. Uh, I mean, that guy's life's changed a ton, and it obviously has a chance to, to change a lot next year with another strong season. Absolutely. Um, kind of went on the radar, but Deshaun Bishop uh, committed to Coastal. Um, so I don't know what that means for this fall and if that's a done deal, but 
Tennessee, do you think they're not going to add another running back after like, is that, is that just kind of out now? That's a great question. Uh, something I've been wondering myself really over the last few weeks. And obviously they didn't end up pushing for Bishop. Some of they miss on Jeremiah Cobb. Uh, I can't remember if Trayon Webb has committed to 40 yet, but that seems whether he has or not, that one seems uh, kind of locked in. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of seems like they may just be done uh, with, they go out and get the kid from uh, Bishop Gorman, the same high school as Cedric Tillman, the three-star running back. And then obviously they have that option. We talked about it last week with and Webb Cameron Selden. Florida, by the way. He did? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought I'd seen that. I wasn't 100% sure. And then Cameron Selden is a guy who can come in and play some running back if they need it. And I think more than anything, I would be left a little, I don't know if unsettled is the right word. I wouldn't want another running back if I was Tennessee in this class because just because I think Selden's future is at receiver. And while you could get him some reps running back, why not right from the minute he gets on campus play him where you think his future is? But at the same time, this seems to be a really weak running back class nationally. I just don't think there's a ton of strong candidates. I think overall your pool is down, and they missed out on a couple of the higher-rated guys they went after. So why take a body just to take a body? And maybe I think that's an area you might look for Tennessee to be aggressive at in the transfer portal. Yeah, I just I think they're kind of at the point, too, where I think they really – want to figure out who of this group's going to pop like they're just like we have justin william thomas we have uh obviously jabari small still here but we have whitehead we have um just a lot of dudes that i and like you said sell right. yeah and right like they just are like we're betting on one of these guys to pop like we need to see the guys in our rotation right now because i think they want to do a collective approach where they just want to have a collective approach and if they have these guys and they can just go in the portal next year and figure out if they need to address and add another proven name um at running back i don't it doesn't seem like they're all that concerned about the running back spot i agree and you, you look at it like you just listed off a ton of those guys they have tons mm. of bodies in that room and besides small they're all young guys they're all mm. obviously any of them could transfer but in theory they're going to separate a couple of those guys are going to separate themselves mm. and be in the position to be one of your go-to guys next year and i think at this point if you're going to take a body to take a body a low-rated guy someone you're not sure about you should do that at linebacker. You should do that in the defensive backfield. You shouldn't do that at running back, a spot where you already have some pretty good young depth on the roster. Yeah. Um, well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, I want to ask you this, though. Um, each week we're going to get prepared for um, the season with the big games, but I want to start with Pitt. So I think the most interesting question to me is, like, when you're thinking about how that game could go, what is the most – what is the most likely way it could go awry for Tennessee? How does that game go awry and become a disaster situation for Tennessee? What is the case for that? It's a good question. I mean, disaster, I would just go with what my concerns are. And maybe it's a disaster. And it's that you can't block Pitt's defensive line. Whoever's starting a left tackle is getting dominated. And Hinden Hooker is running for his life the whole game. You can't establish a run. Hooker sacked three, four times. He fumbles it once. You're giving Pittsburgh a short field. And then I think on the other end of it, and look, this is going to be, if you ask this question for any game on Tennessee's big games this year, toss-up games, games that could go either way, how does it go awry? I think every single one, Tennessee can't stop the other team from passing. Caden Slovis returns to the guy that he was during the COVID-shortened season and his, fresh, his freshman season in 2019. And despite the fact that Pitt loses, I think, four of its top five pass catchers from a year ago, including the Blitnikoff winner and Jordan Addison. 
Tennessee's young secondary early in the season just doesn't have anything, and it gets it gets blitzed, and, and Tennessee cannot stop Pitt th- from throwing the ball all over the yard. I, I think that's how you look at the worst case scenario in the game. That's I think that is uh, uh, how you get to a, a bad, really bad Tennessee performance, and uh, maybe not a lopsided loss, but a, a non close loss. Yeah, I'm curious because last year, I think, I mean, so much of it was just the Joe Milton factor and how that game went. But I don't know when I go up and I'm really not nervous about that game. I would be absolutely floored. You go through what are the opportunities here? I just I think it's really just the pit defensive line overwhelming the left tackle spot. Like, I think that's what throws this game in just in doubt is if Crawford and or Mincy cannot handle what Pitt's defensive line throws at them and I think that is a real concern is just the offensive line versus Pitt's defensive line and if they get bullied at the line of scrimmage and Hendon's getting hit a lot and there's not time for them to develop stuff downfield and Cedric is not able to get downfield then yeah then that game could get ugly potentially and that could go a way that no Tennessee fan wants it to go but I think it starts there so if we see Hendon getting hit a lot in the first quarter and just not a lot and they're not able to run the ball really at all them are like, uh oh, this is this is a problem. You're right, and especially if you see that early, because we know Tennessee's offense has been so so efficient, at least in year one, of getting going early and capitalizing early in the game. And I think that's where you saw last year. I mean, you mentioned the game, the Joe Milton factor in that game. Tennessee wasn't able to capitalize fully on the first quarter because Joe Milton missed a lot of really open receivers on plays that would have been touchdowns. If you think at least the pin hookers in there, and he executes the way. He did for most of the season, so I think that's a good point. And to me, it's an interesting one. I'm with you. I, it's a game we did plug on our RTI Press Pass podcast last week. We went through it and did a kind of a six-week-out prediction of every single game. The game I think Tennessee wins, it's obviously I think a game Tennessee could lose, but I think right now it's a game I feel pretty good about. And it's it's interesting to me. I think there's been still a lot of pit buzz. It still seems like they're a, kind of a unanimous top 25 team with – even a couple pundits throwing them in the top 15, which which seems interesting to me with all they lost on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it's just hard for me not to see a, a decent drop-off there. I would agree. Um, what there will be a drop-off is in terms of uh, Tennessee is the amount of players that uh, Tennessee baseball fans are familiar with because this is going to be a completely different lineup next year. The rotation going to be very familiar. Um, but outside of that, a lot, a lot of change. What does the lineup look like now? And is everyone who was drafted gone? Like, is is it all is it all over for all those guys? I think besides uh, Cortland Lawson, I think there's a chance he could come back. And it's funny because before the draft, I would have I kind of had him in the category of I'd be shocked if he comes back. But given the fact that he fell to me way, uh, he fell a lot further in the draft. But I think he ended up going into. In the 14th round, I thought he would be around the 10th round selection. So he's the one guy I could see maybe come back. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure his path to really improving his stock all that much if he does come back. I mean, he's not going to be Tennessee's starting shortstop. That's going to be Malia the transfer out of Kansas. He'd come back and play second base. But as a guy that I think to professional teams, or at least the way he's got to market or position himself to professional teams is as a really good defensive infielder, I think you're not going to improve your stock that much all at second base. So we'll see there. Everybody else that got drafted is going to be gone. And I think uh, when you look at 
I think in the infield, even with all the guys you lost, I really don't think there's a ton of question marks to, uh, where people are going to be. You're going to have Blake Burke at first. Cortland Lawson comes back. He's going to be at second. If not, you're going to have Christian Moore there. And then on the left side of the infield, it's going to be the transfers, the Iona from Kansas at shortstop, and then Zane Denton, the Alabama transfer at third base. A little bit more upheaval with Jack Alexander. To me, that was the biggest surprise of mm. the draft. The Austin P grad transfer didn't get drafted, but he was now that he was transferred to Tennessee back, I believe, on July 1st. And then he decides to sign an undrafted free agent deal with Kansas City. To me, that makes uh, to me that was the biggest blow of Tennessee's draft. I mean, Reggie Crawford is obviously a massive blow that you're not going to get him to Kansas or get him to campus, but that's not a massive surprise. And I think with that fact, I thought Jared Dickey was maybe going to catch some next year, but with the fact that Jack Alexander is gone, unless you get Paul Skeens, the Air Force transfer, who uh, I think Tennessee's on. They're in on it with him, but I don't think they're the leader by any stretch of the imagination. He's a catcher and a pitcher. And well, I think he might he be now first. because they're like, all right, well, we got to turn, we got to ramp it up a little bit now. Uh, yeah, but I think to me, I think the the, the bridge they got to get over there is I think he wants to be a weekend starter wherever he goes. Well, that's on top of being a starting catcher. And as you said, that's not happening in Tennessee. So. But also, Paul, I got you. Hold on. Ready? I got it. I got you. Here in Knoxville, we support. Air Force. We support the Falcons, so there is a continuity there where you can make the jump from Air Force to Knoxville, get over the whole pitching on the weekend stuff. Like that's not happening. The chases and Drew have got that locked down. We'll give you Tuesday. Like Xander will throw you some Tuesday bones, like against Belmont and Xavier and company. But that's uh that's not gonna happen. And we need you to uh to take one for the team here. And Paul Chase will even give you that helmet. He will <laughs> donate that helmet to you so you can have a relic of your of your time at Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, all that to say, even I, you have a little bit of more uncertainty there. And I think what that adds, to me, there were a lot more question marks over who was going to play in the outfield next year than who was going to play in the infield, despite all the guys you lose in the infield. And I think the fact that Jared Dickey is potentially going to have to catch more next year just adds to that uncertainty. He's not going to be your bona fide starter in left field like he would have been otherwise. But Tennessee has a lot of options there. That's uh, the recruiting class survived really well through the draft. And I think that's where three of probably their top five guys are bringing in are outfielders. So and when you do that with the guys you do have returning to Kyle Booker and the Christian Scott, uh, I think you have some options in the outfield. But to me, a lot more question marks there than you have in the infield that despite losing starters at all five spots, I think you still kind of know what you're going to have. There you go. Um, here's a prediction time before I think he'll probably make a prediction before next, uh, next pod, Justin Edwards. Is he Kentucky or is he Tennessee? I guess Kentucky. And, okay. And that's, that's a tough blow for Tennessee. I mean, that's a guy that they've spent a ton of time recruiting and for the most part seems to do a really, really good job in his recruitment. But it seems like that one's kind of uh, slipped to Kentucky here in the last few weeks. And Man, Kevin, what a, what a it's time to pop in. Keon, Kevin, Jaden, it's time to time to step up here in the next week or so yeah i don't someone tells me uh keon and Jaden aren't uh aren't gonna be making uh any serious waves to to get him to tennessee but we'll see maybe tennessee surprises are still uh three days before he's supposed to make his decision maybe they can make a late push and mm. and get him to flip and man I, I mean i will say what a what a recruiting class john calipari has going he's got He's got those Kentucky fans, uh, at least the short-sighted ones, forgetting about that St. Peter's loss pretty quickly. There you go. I like it. Ryan, what can the good folks check out from you this week at Rocky Top Insider? 
Yes, tons of stuff yesterday uh, for media days, and we'll kind of continue to have that trickling out. And then lots of stuff from uh, the uh, MLB draft, and we'll have more of that as guys continue to sign in the roster. You're starting to get a little bit more clarity on what that looks like next year. We'll have some previews, uh, kind of looking at what Tennessee has at all those spots and, and breaking down a lot of that stuff I just talked about in the infield, in the outfield, and then obviously – the, the starting pitching is pretty set in stone, but the bullpen uh, is going to be a lot different than it was last year. So still uh, plenty of things to analyze and look at for a Tennessee baseball team that should be back in the top five next uh, next spring. There you go. Uh, Ryan Chempert, thank you as always, and uh, I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. All right, y'all. That'll do it for part one here on a Saturday, July 23rd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Ones Podcast. Part two coming up. Uh, Preds Power with Charlie Burris and Brian Basting coming up in just one second. As always, if you guys enjoyed uh, part one here on the program, please, please, please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and review. Uh, it helps other people find the show, and it helps this very show continue to grow. Tell a friend, co-worker, family member about the Chase Most Podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network, why you like listening to the program, and all that good stuff. So part two coming up right after this. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.